Welcome to His Church Owensboro Podcast. We are so excited about what God is doing in your life, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at hischurch.cc and let us know about all of the things that God is doing in your life. If you have been blessed by this podcast and would consider supporting us financially, please visit hischurch.cc and click on Give to see the many options available. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message blesses you. How many of y'all think we need some friends in the house of God? Somebody give God a hand clap if you think we need some friends in the house. And uh, it's real easy. I'm preaching to the choir because you're here on, on Wednesday night in the middle of a storm. But the way you get friends at church is you show up 20 minutes early. Come on, everybody say show up 20 minutes early. Uh, I know it's hard on Wednesdays because we start early, but on Sunday morning you can do it. If you show up 20 minutes early and stay 20 minutes after, right? Everybody say stay 20 minutes after. All right, if you'll do that, you'll meet some people, amen? And a lot of people will come to church for a while, then they'll leave, and they'll say, well, nobody talked to me, and nobody was friendly to me. And that's like, that's because they couldn't talk to you or couldn't be friendly because you came in at the end of the third song, and you left before we started praying in every service. How many of you ever seen that happen? You know, I'm glad they're here, and uh, I'm for everybody, but I'll watch sometimes on uh, Easter Sunday, I was preaching. It happened here, and it happened in Texas, but y'all watch it sometimes. We got a lot of volunteers in here, but we get ready. We're done preaching, and a lot of times, if you watch me preach, Sweating is my spiritual gift. I get in my flow, and I'm wet, and I run out of voice, so I'll hand it off to somebody to close out the service, and whenever I hand that thing off, I'll watch. People will be like one-hopping small children to get out the door, out the back, and around the corner, and I saw somebody stiff-arm an old lady the other day to get out, kind of Walter Payton them from back in the 80s. And I'm like, they want out of here, man. And I know those people that are stiff-arming the old ladies to get out of church, that they're probably not meeting anybody before or after service, right? I'm thankful that they're here. But how many know if we're going to meet people, you, you get out what you put in in life. Can I get an amen out there? Come on, we, we reap what we sow, right? We, we get a return on what we invest. And there's no way around that. That's just the way life works. And so... Um, I think a lot of times churches, we make excuses or we try to take the blame for members and people that won't go the extra mile to make relationships, right? But we'll say, well, they didn't make relationships, and they'll say, well, you don't have a group that fits my need, and we'll say, we're sorry, we should have been better at that. When the truth is we should have coached you to walk across the room and meet somebody, be an adult, be mature, be friendly, because nobody can make your friends for you. Mama can't make her friends for you. School teacher can't make her friends for you. Employer can't make her friends for you. Is it true or is it true? If we're going to make friends, it's going to be on who? It's going to be on, come on. Now, I know there's things we can do that help assist that and things you can to, that, that will, will keep it from happening. Man, it got heavy in here. I was just kidding around. Y'all got all heavy. Huh? I'm just playing still, but I kind of, I kind of. Here's the way you, here's the way you, you, you say something like this. You say something heavy, then you make people laugh. Then you say something heavy, then you make people laugh. All right, and you keep them in the game. So if you ever need a trick, there's the, there's the pastor trick. But uh, the Bible says this: if you're to have many friends, you must show yourself friendly. And I want to thank the people in the room because y'all are all the people doing it right. And you helped us minister as a group, as his church. We ministered to over 3,000 people as a church body this last Easter Sunday, man. About 3,100 people were ministered to. 
Over 1,500 right here in, at the His Church campus, around 1,500 in Owensboro. Come on, we ought to give God a hand clap for that. And um, tons of people lifted their hand during the salvation call to pray to receive Jesus. And that's what we're all about. We're about those who are yet to come. Come on, we're, we're a church. We have our eye on the lost. We're going we're gonna to find the lost, win the lost, and we're going to grow the found. Can I get an amen? Tonight, so I just want to—I want to thank every person that served, every person that greeted, every person that—I uh, don't know—you walked in alpaca in Jesus' name this last Sunday morning, or uh, I don't know what all we had here. Maybe we had some little ponies out, out in Texas. There were Shetland ponies and some little ducks. The kids are playing with. I saw some little ducks give their life for Jesus on Resurrection Sunday. So I want to thank every little duck that laid their life down that our kids could have an incredible Easter Sunday. Can I get an amen for all the? little ducks out there. All right. A uh, couple of things, a couple updates before I start teaching. Uh, that is, I want to thank everybody that's been a part of his honor. Uh, there's somewhere 140, I got to get the exact number, 140 to 150,000 has been given now, I believe, to his honor. And um, I think about 200,000 was pledged. So I want to thank everybody that's been a part of that. And uh, we're making plans right now how we spend those funds every year. A lot of times that money comes in around now and around tax return time is when it typically comes in because that's when people get their hands on the money they pledged. And then we start doing the work through the summer and we try to get everything nailed and headed forward. Uh, so in the fall, when people come back to school, how many of y'all want our church to be rocking and the stuff to be, man, right where it needs to be? So we've been making plans uh, to do that. Got plans on the uh, youth ministry assembling this week. We're going to put new wall in the back, paint it up, uh, buy some new equipment, get some things going back there for our teenagers. Also, our, 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 our sound in here needs some uh, serious work right now. Uh, some of these boxes, speakers have been in here for quite a few years, almost nine years now. Uh, some of them are blown, so we gotta we gotta work on this sound system. We have some money set aside for that. Uh, we have a portion of those funds set aside because we're gonna plant a campus in Henderson, Kentucky. It's gonna launch September. I think it's the fifteenth, and I uh, have a team right now. Looks like about a hundred people uh, that are committed to helping get that campus go going. Uh, yeah, I mean just incredible. But that's going to cost money. There'll be advertising budget for that. We'll have to have equipment for that. You think about it, you start a kid's ministry or, or a, a church. I remember we started a church with nothing but a Bible the first time. And uh, I think our kids was resourced with one Tickle Me Elmo or something like that. It wasn't even about Jesus. It was Elmo. It's all we could afford back then. And, uh, uh, but we're going to start this one off with a bang. And I want to thank you for giving to help impact another community. Uh, that's really what the church does, Right. We minister to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So Owensboro's our Jerusalem, and one of the next towns over is Henderson, and we're going there. So I want to thank you for being a part of that. Uh, there's funds going to missions. Also, um, got some AC stuff we'll be fixing uh, to make it to, to get some things going good. And I like the new sign we got on the front of the building. How many of y'all think it looks better than that banner out there? So the guys got that done. And uh, hard to get the sign guys out. They are scheduled out a long way in advance. So praise the Lord, new signs, and we have stuff going. Uh, Want to get you excited about something. Has anybody seen the movie Unplanned out in the movie theater? Uh, got a few of us have seen Unplanned. Okay, Unplanned is a Christian movie, and it's a pro-life movie. And uh, really, it's about a lady who was a director of a Planned Parenthood um, clinic 
that, that was in there, and she saw an abortion um, after she'd been working there for quite a few years. I mean, she was already leading the clinic, was called in the clinic and saw it up close, uh, the ultrasound as they were actually removing the, the baby, uh, killing the baby and pulling it out of the uterus, and she saw it, and it so disturbed her that she made a decision she couldn't be a part of that anymore and left and joined a uh, right-to-life group which is really, uh, I think there are 40 days of prayer or purpose or something like that. So she became a Christian as well and has become an, a, a pro-life advocate in the time being. And I don't know if you know it or not, but right now Planned Parenthood, I think the number is 911 abortions a day in America, uh, just them. So if you think about that, every two and a half days, as many people die in Planned Parenthood um, facilities in America has died in the Twin Towers. It is tragic. It's, it's um, terrible. It's abhorrent. It's, you know, there's not enough words to say that America's become what it's become in the disrespect for human life. Can I get an amen? And um, so God is, is starting to move, I believe, on our behalf. Uh, some wicked things happened earlier this year with late-term abortion especially New York and some of the other states push for that. And I think the devil overplayed his hand because there's been righteous people that started pushing back. How I many know it's great when, when the devil pushes, sometimes he overplays and the righteous start pushing back. And I'll tell you, we push harder than the devil ever pushes. We got the ability, we'll use it, we can always push harder. And so there's been quite a few heartbeat bills that have been passed and are coming up in America. And um, I think there's been some real action taken that's held back what I believe would be judgment because of what we've done and extended grace in America. Now, I'm thankful for uh, righteous men, uh, religious leaders. I'm thankful for uh, politicians that would stand up for the unborn. Come on, let's give all those people a hand clap for fighting that kind of thing. So I went and watched Unplanned on, um, on Monday and if you watch it, it kind of shows that the primary thing Planned Parenthood is doing is they'll tell you they're offering other services to help young girls that are pregnant and to help them with other options, but they really don't because the other options don't make money, all right? What makes money is selling abortions. And so they'll take kids that are scared, young girls that are scared, in terrible situations. A lot of times, nobody's helping them in life. We're talking about a kid, Right? The kid will go in there, and they start coaching them, counseling them, and pushing them towards an abortion. They make sure they can't see an ultrasound of the baby. So when you see the ultrasound, you know it's human, and it, it, it's such a deterrent when you see it. So they got measures in place to keep people from knowing the truth, make it sound like tissue instead of a child. So this show, uh, Unplanned, it shows really what happens behind the veil in Planned Parenthood because this lady helped run one. And uh, Planned Parenthood actually sued her after she left because they were saying she was going to do her damage because she knew the tricks. She won the lawsuit, by the way. But, but you need to go watch the movie Unplanned. And I was watching it, and I'm like, man, I want to get one of these actresses uh, from this movie or somebody from this movie over here to the churches to, to, uh, to do a night or do a, do a day or do something. Let's talk about it. Because I don't know about you, but I care about the unborn, and I care about their, their voice, Right? I think the righteous cry out for those who have no voice. Can I get an amen? And so, so I was talking to Jesse about it, and I talked to my friend Clay Clark, who spoke here, a Christian business coach before businessman. Um, 
and he had a relationship with a, na- a lady named Ruby, Rubia Scott. Now, I talked to her today. She plays the main bad person in Unplanned, and she's going to come out and do an interview and speak for us here at his church. Uh, I'm, pro- I'm going to have her here, and I'm going to have her out in Amarillo, and we're going to do a day where we rally and let um, our voice be heard. Come on, that his church, we stand with the unborn. Amen. How many of y'all think we ought to stand with the unborn? Amen. So, so be praying for that, thinking about that. We're, I'm going to try to get her here as quick as I can uh, because that movie's out and it's at the front of people's thought, uh, minds. And uh, she actually used to be a dancer for Prince and was Prince's PR man. Then she was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And uh, I know we have a lot of big Buffy the Vampire Slayer fans in here, so it's your chance is all I'm saying, all right? Uh, so, so that's enough of that. I'm just letting you know a couple of things that are coming up. I'm going to show her some dance moves when she gets here. So let's, uh, let's pray, and then we're going we're gonna to look at the Word of God tonight, all right? Father, I thank you for uh, the home team that's in the room tonight. I thank you for people that aren't scared of a little storm. And, Lord, I bless them tonight. I pray you teach us, lift us, and help us increase our faith tonight in Jesus' mighty name. And the church said, amen. Open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22 tonight, and uh, we're going to start reading in verse 1. We're going to look at where Abraham's faith is tested by God. And so we have Abraham here in the story who is the father of faith. The Bible says that Abraham is our prototype of a faith man. You want to read and see how to live by faith? Watch Abraham live by faith. The Bible says that Abraham believed God, and it was accredited to him for righteousness. The Bible goes as far as to call Abraham the friend of God. Doesn't it sound good to be, be called literally the friend of God? Man, I would love for God to look down and say, Brian, that man is my friend. Abraham had that privilege. It's in the word of God. So this is where Abraham, really he fought a, fought a, faith, a fight of faith to have an heir. And God spoke to him, said, I'm going to make you a multitude. It was God's plan to take Abraham and make him the nation of Israel. And Abraham speaks back to God and says, how can that be? I have no heir. I have no son. Without a son, how can I become a mighty nation, God? And God says, you hold on to the promise, and, and there's coming a son. And he spoke to him and said that, that his wife would receive a child in his old age. Abraham was around 100 years old, and his wife conceived a child, which is a miracle. So uh, I don't know, some of you in your 60s or 70s, according to the Word of God, you're still in your childbearing years right now, all right? So maybe God will give you a miracle, and uh, we'll dedicate one of your children in about nine months from today. That's what I'm believing for. So Abraham has that child. Some people, some 16, 70-year-olds just left the building right then. They're gone. They're like, Jesus, help us. Come quickly. Rapture us. All right. Um, uh, so so here, here's, here's what happens after he has that child. All right. God answers that prayer. They have Isaac. The word Isaac means laughter. And this child is the promise to Abraham This child is the source of joy to Abraham. This child is all of that in a bag of chips to Abraham. And now he's going to be tested by God with what he loves the most. Genesis 22, verse 1, here's what it says. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested. Come on, everybody say tested. Tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. 
So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abram lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abram said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder. Come on, this guy's from Kentucky. He goes yonder and worship. And we'll come back to you. You look at verse 1 and it says that um, after these things that, that God tested Abraham. And he speaks to Abraham and he says this to Abraham. He says, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac. He says, whom you love. You're going to go to the land of Moriah, to the Mount Moriah. And on Mount Moriah, you're going to offer your son up to me as a burnt offering. First thing I want you to see here is that God tests Abraham. Listen, life is a series of tests. Can I get an amen? It really is. The longer I live, the, the more I learn to see things as a test in life. And I think the faster you begin to see things as tests, the quicker you start passing tests in life. And uh, now sometimes it's God testing you. The Bible talks about we also have a tempter, the, the devil, that comes to tempt us. But I believe whether it's the devil tempting me or if it's God testing me to see if I'm ready for a promotion, in a sense, anything that comes at me in life, it's testing our mettle. And if you can pass a test, you can show that you're ready for the next chapter in life. I think after every test comes a promotion. And until I'm willing to be tested and to go through a test and to pass the test, I keep taking the same grade over and over and over and over again. And see, now in the school systems, a lot of times we'll, we'll pass kids just to get them on through. It's like a social pass, right, to get you on through and to get you on to the next level in life. But in God's economy, you don't get, you don't get passed just for the sake of passing and appeasing the world. In God's economy, there are no like, uh, thank you for participating, ribbons. Can I get an amen out there? Doesn't work like that in God's economy. You actually got to pass the test God puts you through. You know, now, now you go to birthdays and that kind of thing, and we have kids that are that age. I have a daughter about to turn 13, a little boy nine, and, and uh, another child seven. And it's funny, now we've gotten so much where everybody's supposed to get the same, regardless of how they perform. Now, now, and I know moms do this to be sweet, and it, it's what we do in culture now, so I'm not getting on to anybody, but I'm just saying I notice it as a symptom of the culture. But how many of you have noticed whenever there's birthday parties, the birthday party kid gets the presents, but now there are a lot of little goodie bags for all the other kids that come to the party? How many of y'all have noticed that? Anybody notice that out there? And I'm always like, what a load of manure is what I look and say. I'm like, can we not have a birthday without pretending to celebrate that it's every kid's birthday in the room? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Right? Everybody can't be valedictorian. Or valedictorian, how do you say that? You can tell I wasn't. I don't even know how to pronounce it, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, everybody doesn't graduate magna culotti. I graduated pina culotti. That's how I graduated, right? So I, I know you don't know how to. Uh, everybody, you got to perform, right, to receive, and uh, now we don't, receive our, we don't receive our salvation through performance. That's all by grace and faith. But I'm telling you, if you're going to get promoted, you have to pass tests in life. Now, I want you to look at the test that Abraham goes through. The test this father of faith goes through, it's next level. God speaks to him and says, take your son, your only son, whom you love. This is the only son Abraham has. 
And it's like the, the, the families with one child, that one child is catered to, right? My third child, I haven't even seen her in two months. I don't even know where she's at, right? She's a third kid. I'm like, what's her name? Who is she? You know, I'm playing, but how many know it gets different, right? One son, all right? And in the ancient Near East with this one son, he's the heir, right? I'm sorry, ladies, but back in the ancient Near East in the days of Abraham, you counted, but you didn't count like a son does back then. Have y'all noticed that when you read the Bible? Because the daughters get no inheritance in the Scripture. And uh, my daughters hate that part of the Bible because my girls say they're taking it all and justice gets nothing. That's what, that's what they say. They start to fight and you start telling them this. And I, I got one that especially will fight for her right, you know, to party and to place herself. But, but um, so, so it, it, it's in there. And this only son, God speaks to him and says, you take him up to Mount Moriah. All right, passing tests is massive. You know, I think uh, Bob Mannion's in the back room right now. And uh, he's in the back of the room. Y'all give, give Seamus O'Mannion, my Irish friend, in the back a hand clap. Seamus, that, that's, that's Bob's golf name. But uh, uh, Bob's the first guy I met when I came to Owensboro, Kentucky. Uh, before I ever came to Owensboro, I met Bob years ago. I, I was uh, just thinking about coming. And uh, I met him through a ministry um, relationship, mutual ministry relationship we both had. And I played golf with him and Diane and uh, came, and, and, and I started playing golf. I got a relationship with Bob. I was over here. Uh, we both were golfers, and we liked to hang out on the golf course, so we started playing together. And I was a young guy. I'm still a young guy, but uh, I was like 26 then, and I had a pretty short fuse when I was younger. Uh, didn't mind a fight. I was never scared of a fight. You know how they talk about fight and flight? I only got the fight gene whenever I was a kid. It's like I didn't know flight was a possibility. When you run no faster than me, you're not going to get away if you run anyway. you got to fight. So it's just the way it was. And on the golf course, we'd be out there, and Bob would be with me. And, okay, a golf ball, if you hit a golf ball to another human, it's like firing a rifle at them, right? Has anybody out here ever been hit by a golf ball before? Anybody? Or we got one right here. I've been, I've been great. I've been hit a couple times on the bounce I've never been hit real, real hard and real solid on the fly. Uh, well, actually, I did hit myself in the, uh, I hit myself once. I was in the basement. I got a large uh, basement with a high ceiling, and it's, it wasn't finished out. It was all concrete in the basement. And I, I got my computer down there, and I got this golf mat that hooked to my computer that would show me my ball flight. Jesse bought it for me years ago. It was awesome. It was called OptiShot. And I'm down in the basement, and I'm, I'm, I'm going down there. So I set up this big net in the corner of the basement that catches the balls. And I'm like, man, I'm going to get good this winter. Everybody else is like, Seamus O'Mannion is going to be laid up on the couch. I'm going to be hitting balls all winter. Come spring, I'm, I'm, I'm whipping his rear every day. That's what I was thinking. So I got down to that basement, and I set up my tee. I got my thing there. I take a driver, and I take a full cut, and I swing as hard as I can. I hit this ball solid, all right? But what I don't know is I haven't given my net enough room to catch the ball. And so when I hit the ball into the net, instead of the net catching the ball, it hits the concrete wall, like, like literally, like, I don't know, 12, 15 feet in front of me, hits the concrete wall, bam, comes straight back, hits me in the chest, knocks me down flat on my back, looking at the ceiling. And it hit me so hard, I thought I'd hit myself in the face. I thought I'd knocked all my teeth out. It, it, uh, the impact of the thing. And I just laid there in the basement floor for like, like I don't know, three minutes or something. And I got up, and I had, I had a, a whelp. It looked like, it looked like you know, 
I don't know, Mike Tyson or somebody punched me in the chest is what it looked like. So I got hit like that, and it hurt. Look at your neighbor and say it hurts. Just tell them that, right? And so one of the rules in golf is you don't hit into somebody else. Can I get an amen, Max Long? You don't hit into them, right? You'll hurt them. You let them clear. You let them get out of the way. And uh, when I first came over here, it's like guys would hit into me all the time. And those are like fighting. That's like fighting grounds. I mean, grown men start, they get ill and angry on the golf course. You hit into them. They'll fight. There's been a bunch of fights over that on golf courses. Guys, uh, we had friends in the, in the cattle business. One of my dad's friends, they got into it on the golf cart. Two guys did for something like this. Started hitting each other with golf clubs till one of them broke the other one's back. Like grown men on the golf course, all right? I don't want to be that guy, right? You go out to the golf course, come home with a broken back. You're an idiot. That's what happened to you. So, so these guys would hit into me, and I would get ill. I mean, I'm a kid. I'd get ill. I'd get hot. I'd want to bull up and stuff like that. And Bob would tell me back then, he's like, just calm down. Calm down. It'll be all right. Calm down. Calm down. So I'd calm down a little bit, and the next time we'd go out, somebody would hit into me. And sometimes I'd hit it back at them, you know, just like, Right back at you, huh? It's like, don't hit into me again, you idiot, you know? And uh, so pastoral of me, right? But, but finally, Bob said, you know what, Brian? If you will respond right when that test happens, that'll quit happening to you. Isn't that pretty good advice? And I'm like, well... That red-faced Irishman is right, I guess, you know? Huh? And uh, he was right. You know what? I started trying to compose myself when those things would happen, and they stopped happening to me. Right? Because when you pass the test, you get to graduate. How many of y'all got some tests you want to graduate, get to another level in life? Come on, let me see your hands. You got some stuff. It doesn't matter what age you are. How many know there's still some things you need to graduate into? Amen? Come on, let's give God a hand clap. He's going to help us graduate. I believe that. So God's wanting to make Abraham deliver everything that he has for him. But those promises don't get delivered to you till you pass the test. A lot of people, God's promised some things in the Word. God promised them things prophetically, right? They still hadn't passed the test, so the, the whole promise hadn't seen un, uh, unveiled in front of them. Sometimes they get mad. They want to blame God. It's like, no, 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 you don't understand. You can't have the kingdom until you can take care of just a little bit of money. Right? You can't, you can't be a CEO of your company until you can show up on time. Right? It's not the way life works. So when you pass that test, now you're set up to go higher in life. And, and I think the, the faster we pass the test, the faster the things happen. So here's what happens. It says, take them up to Mount Moriah. And Abraham knows this somehow. He goes up. He's got Isaac, his son. He's got wood. He's got everything he needs for a sacrifice. Pretty amazing. Takes up the hill, Mount Moriah. It's interesting. Isaac is a type of Jesus. Think about it. Jesus offered up on a hill as a sacrifice. Isaac offered up on a hill as a sacrifice. Jesus carries a cross up the hill. Isaac carries wood up the hill. Right? Jesus is the son of promise. Isaac is the son of promise. Jesus is, is raised up. Isaac is raised up at the end of the story. All of that, the, all these symbols are there. And so Abraham and Isaac, 
They come to the base of Mount Moriah. Isaac's looking over and says, Dad, where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? And Dad says, God will provide the sacrifice. How many of y'all believe God will provide the sacrifice? Come on, somebody. And so he turns around to his two servants, Abraham says. He knows God's telling him to go up and offer up his kids. He turns around to his two servants, and he says, me and the lad will go up and worship and come back. We will come back. Abraham, by faith, knew that even if he slaughtered that son, God had the power to raise him up and to bring him back because God's a God that will multiply whatever you sacrifice that he calls you to sacrifice. Come on, somebody give God a hand clap if you believe that tonight. Amen? By the way, God will never call another person to sacrifice a son. He already sacrificed Jesus. That ultimate sacrifice has already been made. Can I get an amen? If anybody ever hears something like that, you're hearing line voices now because the ultimate sacrifice has already been made. Amen? In Jesus. So he, he, he takes the lad up and uh, he ties him to the, the altar. Right? Ties him to the altar. And he lifts up the knife and he gets ready to to sacrifice that thing he loved. I'm telling you what, it's not sacrifice till you love it. When you love something and God calls you to sacrifice it, that's when you've been obedient. And obedience is always an action. It's an action. It starts with the Spirit, but it ends in an action. Faith without works is dead. It's not obedience and it's not sacrifice and it's not faith until you feel it and it hurts. So God says, offer up that son. And so Abraham walks up ties Isaac to a sacrificial altar on the top of Mount Moriah. This kid's old enough to be talking to him and to know what's going on. Pretty amazing. Abraham lifts up the knife, and, 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 and I don't know what it's like. I don't know if Isaac's screaming or Isaac's laying there, but Abraham lifts up the knife, and he's getting ready to sacrifice his son. And right before he gets ready to plunge that knife into the heart of his son, an angel shows up and says, Stop. The voice of God comes into the situation. And he says, now I know that I can trust you. Now I know, now you've been tested. And I see that you're a faithful man. And he goes from that point and he recounts the covenant that he's made to Abraham. And he says, now everything I promise you now that you've been tested, I know that I can give you. Here's what I want to encourage you. Whatever God is telling you to sacrifice in life, go ahead and do it. Look at your neighbor and just tell him do it. Tell him to do it. Go ahead and, go ahead and sacrifice it no matter what it is. Man, the hard stuff God tells you to do, that's where the blessing really flows from. The easy stuff is just stuff we're doing, but whenever God sees that he can trust you and sees that you pass a test, that's when you start stepping up in life. And there's some tests people aren't willing to sacrifice. I see it again and again and again. A lot of times the money thing, people won't do that. How many of you ever noticed that? People get a problem with that in church and stuff. It's like they're so, so tethered to this world this world's way of keeping score they can't do what God called them to do and it's like they, they got more faith in those dollars in their pocket than they got in the God that created the cattle of a thousand hills and holds the stars in their place and holds back the water in the ocean come on I got more faith in the God that made me than I do the, the, the U.S. Mint can I get an amen I don't trust that U.S. Mint for a second trust the Federal Reserve right I trust God can I get an amen? I can think about a few things God told me to sacrifice, and it was painful when he asked for it. I, I, I just think about some things that just, it was, it was so painful. I had a Bible that um, was given to me 
the day I graduated college. And the who's who of the faith had signed that thing because they were on the board of directors of the university I graduated from and had notes in it from people. And then I'd taken personal notes in that Bible for almost a decade. And uh, maybe longer than that. I bet I'd taken personal notes in that Bible for like 14 years. And I was with Pastor Rand. Pastor Rand's right there sitting by my mother. My mother turned uh, 47 years old today. Y'all give her a hand clap. Happy birthday, mother. 47 years old. Well, you look great for 47, Mom. Um, so I was with Pastor Ram preaching in Southeast Asia. There's some young apostles to the nation of Burma. They were there. And I bet they have a 1,000 Bibles. I bet they did. God spoke to me and said, I want you to take that Bible, and I want you to give it to one of these young apostles. They're two brothers. They plant churches all over uh, that area, all around the Golden Triangle and the nations around it, lead a lot of pastors. Man, I would have rather given that guy $10,000 that day, maybe more than give him that Bible. Some of those things are dear to you. Any of y'all have something like that that's just dear to you, right? It's a little piece of you. God said, give it to him. And I'll tell you, I didn't want to give it to him. I kind of fought it. I hesitated in my spirit. Like, can I give him something else? I give him my watch, my phone, my wallet. I don't know. I want to keep this. And God's like, no, I want you to give him that Bible. And so I gave him that Bible, and he didn't act like it's a big deal. I'm like, come on, man. Come on, act, act touch here for me or something. I'm giving you my favorite Bible. And uh, it wasn't a big deal to him at the time. He had a bunch of Bibles, but God wanted me to do it. And he thanked me. I mean, he was nice. When I came home, I walked into my office, and nobody knew that story. God had already spoke to somebody from this city to bring me a Bible, and it was the exact version, brand, and the kind I like, just like it, laying on my desk. I hadn't even told him about that story yet. God said, I saw what you did, and I'm going to show that I've already taken care of you, and I've replaced what you gave right here today. Come on, God's a God. If you will do what he says, he'll replace it. And it was laying on my desk. And it's nice. I, I don't buy cheap Bibles. I get the calfskin, the nice ones, right? Some I'm going to use every day. And he had to special order this thing. God had him special order this thing ahead of time, maybe before I ever gave that one away. It was already prepared. See, Isaac, Isaac's there getting ready to be sacrificed, and God says, don't do it. And he turns around, and he spots in his eye. And there's a ram caught in the thicket. And he says, the Lord has provided the sacrifice. And they named the mount of that place Jehovah-Jireh, or the Lord will provide. How many of y'all believe if we'll obey the word of the Lord and we'll sacrifice what he tells us to sacrifice, that God will provide everything he's called us to and that there'll be a ram caught in the thicket? I'm telling you, some of you need a ram in the thicket right now. You need a miracle. You need some breakthrough. You need some help. If you'll do what God's telling you to do, I'm telling you, when you come to the place you're called to go to, you look to your right, you look to your left, and God will have already provided the ram. God will have already provided the sacrifice because God sees what he says, and he sets you up in the future. If you'll get an obedient spirit, I'm telling you, you'll intersect with that miracle at just the right moment. He is that kind of God. Amen? The Lord will provide. Come on, somebody say, the Lord will provide. Say it again tonight. The Lord will provide. Come on, I say it one more time. The Lord will provide. I want you to stand up on your feet with me tonight. I'm out of time.